Well, good morning. Since Pastor's still on vacation, you still get stuck with me this week. So, I don't, I don't think you need to applaud for that. But, you know, I figure this is probably going to be my last Sunday morning sermon here for a while. Um, hopefully not forever, but at least for a little while. So I was kind of wrestling, you know, what kind of do I want to end with? What thoughts do I want to leave people? And how did that get up there already? There. Okay. You didn't see that. So I was just wrestling and thinking, you know, what what do I want to say to Cross Community Church of the Nazarene on June 24, 2018? Kind of my f- closing message for a little while. You know, what, what do I want to say to people? And oddly enough, this idea of fruits popped into my head, or fruit. And so I began thinking and working, you know, you know, it was weird because I was at work at, you know, eating lunch when this popped into my head. So this is kind of weird. This can't be from God. But I kind of began wrestling and thinking, where does this, where does fruits mentioned in the Bible? And so I began wrestling, you know, there's in Genesis and we know that in Galatians there's the fruits of the Spirit. I began reading and thinking and kind of in praying, not kind of praying, I was praying. Where do I preach from? You know, what are you trying to say to people? And so the passage I settled on is, can anybody guess it? I didn't hear it. it ain't nobody, a bunch of sinners. Oh my goodness! So I didn't choose. I thought I was hoping you would say Galatians 5:22, the fruits of the spirit, but that wasn't what I got led to. I was led to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. So I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter three. It's, I believe, page 700 in the pew Bibles. And and as I began researching, you know, Luke and, and learning about the gospel, more about the Gospel of Luke. I was kind of fascinated with it, and well, I'll talk about it more in a minute, with what the message is. And hopefully you'll also catch on to the same thing that I did. So I'd like to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod Tetrarch, Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iternia and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to, came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went out into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled in, Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked places shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And what shall we do? And he said to them, don't extort money from anyone by threats or, false, or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. 
As the people were in expectation, all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. There ends the reading of the Lord's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of the Gospel of Luke, and we thank you for the message that Luke recorded for us that John preached. Help it to speak to us today. Open our hearts and our minds and our thoughts, and just help us to be attentive to your spirit, to what you're trying to say to us, Lord. Take my words and and use them to impact somebody, to, to open my heart and mind, Lord, to continue to learn from you. And I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me, Lord. Help us to never take an opportunity to learn about you for granted. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I began looking at the Gospel of Luke and in, in researching it. You know, Luke is, is really a fascinating gospel. And every gospel is written to a certain person or, or group of people. And they all kind of got symbols associated with them. So, you know, we preached through, last summer we preached through the Gospel of, of Mark, and we were learning about that. And, and Mark, he's associated, his symbol is often portrayed as a man. It's a very simplistic and, and realistic Gospel. And then you go on, and the next Gospel, Matthew, is, is portrayed as a lion. Matthew looks and saw Jesus. He was the Messiah. He was the lion of Judah that was, that was promised in the Old Testament. And it was written to the Jews. And then you look at, at John, and, and he was... We preached many years through the Gospel of John, if you remember that. And he was, he was a very theological gospel. He was associated with the eagle because no, nobody had reached that high. You know, no, other people had, no, other guy, no other gospel had the height of theological and philosophical thinking that John had. And then we come to the Gospel of Luke. Luke is kind of different. He's portrayed as a calf. Now, if I was Luke, that would almost be an insult to me. You know, everybody else gets something cool. You know, you know, man, that's pretty decent. You know, lion, that's that's really cool. And then eagle, those are just awesome. And then you get Luke; he's stuck with this calf or this cow. But the reason that that's associated with Luke is he saw Jesus as the sacrifice. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the one who was able to take away all sins of the world. And the interesting thing about Luke is. It is by a, written by a Gentile, and it's for Gentiles, or written to a specific Gentile. In the first chapter of Luke, the first four verses, it tells us that it was wrote to Theophilus. Theophilus, uh, most excellent Theophilus, actually. And people, they kind of debate, you know, who is this Theophilus? Is it written to a certain person? Is it written to a group of people? And a lot of scholars, they agree that it was, Theophilus was a person, a real person. In fact, he was probably a kind of Roman leader or a high-ranking leader at the time. And that's kind of why they also think this was Theophilus was a pseudoname. And the interesting thing about Theophilus' lover of God is we are all that. So this gospel also applies to all of us today. And it was a gospel for all men. And that's what one of Luke's main focuses is, is Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. You know, it's not fully neglected in the other gospels, but this is Luke's focus. It's not just for Jews It's for all people, for all men, for everybody. But Luke also, he has very special places for certain things. One of them is prayer. In Luke's gospel, there's a lot of prayers that are talked about. And 
and Luke records them. This is very important for Luke. See, Luke was a, a physician, so he was very people-oriented. He was very historically accurate. We'll talk about that again in a second. But he also had a very special place for women, so women should love the Gospel of Luke because it talks a lot about the special place Jesus had for women. But he also has a special place for praise. If you read the first, if you read the first two chapters of Luke, it records the praise of song that, that Mary sings, that Elizabeth sings, and that Zacharias sings. They're, it's very very focused on people. And that's what Luke, I just kind of fell in love because it's this gospel that's focused on us, not just on this Jews, these certain people. But then we come to chapter 3, and we're looking at the ministry of John. Now, John the Baptist, he was kind of a wild-looking guy. You know, He wore strange clothes, ate strange things, and he was out in the desert in the region of the Jordan. And what John did was he was started between 26 and 29 AD is what Luke records his ministry as. They're not sure because of different ways that could have been dated during the time. But it was somewhere around here, and that's where he, we start in this chapter, is he gives us six specific people. He starts at the Roman emperor level, and then he works slowly down into the very local, um, local leadership of the area. And then what John did is he fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. And what's fascinating to me about the way that Luke writes this compared to the other Gospels is all the Gospels record this passage but from Isaiah, but Luke, most of them stop when he's when you know every path will make his straight, or the next ones they'll go on, and they say the rough places will become level, and that's where they stop. Luke, he takes it one step further for us, for all flesh, for everybody gets to see the salvation of God. It's not just for the Jews, it's not just for some people, the people that lived at that time. It's for all flesh, for us today, just not just like it was back then. And so he also he preached pretty fearlessly. John did because. You know, a lot of times they look to their religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But John, he preached fearlessly. He, you know, he called out and said, there's judgment coming. And I love the way, I'm going to read uh, out of the message today, because I love the way John, or the, excuse me, the way Eugene Peterson, he paraphrases John's message. Now, now I've got to clarify, the message version, is, it's not a version of the Bible. It's, it's one man's paraphrase, and it's, it's a tool. It's a good tool. But it's not meant to replace the real, the Holy Word of God, the Holy Bible. But I do think that the way Eugene Peterson says John's message is very good. So this is just verses 7 through 9 from the message. When crowds of people came out for baptism, because it was a popular thing to do, John exploded, brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skin is going to deflect God's judgment? It is your life that must change, not your skin. I don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I just love the way he says that. No, we don't get that in the Bible. You don't get John. John, he just said it, you know, when we read it. But in the message, John exploded. I mean, he was like, what are you people doing? You know, who told you? And so, often in the desert, it's, you know, it's very dry in the desert, obviously, and it's also very hot. So oftentimes, they would get these fires, and in the desert, there's also vipers or snakes. So what happens is, once these fires start, all these snakes, they would just start slithering, they'd start running away, and they'd be fleeing the fire. And that's what John was telling them, you know, who, who told you this judgment's coming? You know, who told you? You know, how do you know? And, and you look like this bunch of snakes out here. And that's what he does. He proclaims God's judgment. So that's what we're going to do today. God's judgment is still coming. You know, from that time, 
that Jesus ascended into heaven, God's judgment is coming. One day he will gather up everybody. And if you're producing good fruit, you'll get to go to heaven. If you're not, well, you won't. And, and it's very clear in, in every gospel there's, there's something about this. And what I want to focus on is this idea of fruits today. And it must be evident in your life. You must see it. That's what John says. You must bear fruits. Now, I can't do justice to a lot of Greek words yet. I'm hoping to learn that more someday. But there's two different Greek words that are used in the New Testament. The one here is, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it's, it's translated as fruits. But when you get to Galatians 5.22, it's tra- there's a different Greek word used there that's fruit, singular. It's not, they're not translated the same. And so John here is telling you you must bear fruits, as in multiple, lots of them. And I was going to bring in some props, and I got here, was putting my message up on the screen, and I realized I forgot my props this morning. So we're going to work without them. And so you have lots of fruits that you'd have. And so it's like an apple tree bearing lots of apples. That's what, that's what John's telling them you need to bear. But when, he talks, when Paul writes to the church in, in Galatia, he tells them that you must bear fruit, singular. And a lot of people, they like to say love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are different fruits. They're, not, they're, they're treated to be treated individually like apples, grapes, oranges, and bananas. That's what a lot of people think. But that's not how it's written. It's written as one singular. So your fruit, one fruit, so it's like one apple is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can't pick and choose off of that list what you can have and what you can't. They're all included as one. They're to be taken as a whole. They're not to be individually picked and choose. You can't say, well... You know what? I'm not bearing my patience today, so that's okay. Oh, hey, I don't have self-control this week, so you know what? It's okay. No, they're all wrapped up and enclosed as one. It's like an apple. And I really hate that I didn't bring my props because you have your apple here. You know, you can, all you can see is the skin. So you can't see them all, all the time, but they're still all always. Oh, perfect. Look at this. You want the cherries? Perfect. Look at this. Awesome. I love this. All right. Thanks, Sonia. So it's like this banana. Okay, you can, you can see the peel, the outside of it, but you can't see the heart of the banana. You can't, see, you can't see the good part, the seeds, and you can't see all that. So a lot of times, I like to look at it this way. You should always see love. People should always see that you are loving on other people. They should always see that you're joyful or that you have joy. Now, happiness and joy, there is a distinction. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is inside. It wells up in you. But they should always see love and joy and, and you should always feel that peace. So you should always feel that. But there should be treated not like, you could almost do it like a bunch of cherries, like this, so that you, know, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all wrapped up in, as like a cherry tree. But they're, they're individual. They're, they're to be taken as a whole group. That's how your life must look. And so that's what John's telling them. You have to bear your fruits, multiple, keeping in repentance. You have to be able to see that evidence in your life. And then he goes on, and he tells us practical ways of doing it, or at least these people, practical ways. And, you know, the crowds ask him, well, well, what do we do? You know, how does it look? You know, what really is to go on? And he says to them, he who has two tunics is to give him who has none. So if you have an extra or if you have an abundance, you're just share that with others. I mean, that's love. That's, the, that's how you show love and goodness to other people. And then also you do the same thing with food. If you have extra food, like Sonia had extra food and she shared with me this morning. So if you have extra to share with people, to, do, to, to love on people like that. But then these next two groups of people, I love these next two groups of people Luke chooses. He chooses tax collectors and soldiers. And I'll tell you why I love that. 
Because tax collectors, the Romans, we know, had control over the whole area during Jesus' time. And so tax collectors, the Romans didn't send in their own. Like they didn't, they didn't have a little IRS department headquartered in Rome. They had little people they had, they had recruited in each province in each nation to collect the taxes. And so tax collectors were Jews, but they were considered traitors. They were not liked. They were outsiders. But, G, but John still welcomes them into the kingdom of God. He's preaching this repentance for all people. So these tax collectors were pushed to the side who said, you're no good. You're traitors. We don't like you. They were invited into this. They, they were allowed to participate in this. John actually spoke specifically to them. Luke tells us this. That's what I love about Luke's gospel. And, you know, tax collectors, they often were, were envied because what they do is they would do this. They say, okay, Rome wants you to give me five coins. Okay, I don't like Steve today. Steve made me mad. So, Steve, I'm going to make it ten. You have to pay me ten coins. And then Steve looks at me and goes, really? Ten coins? Ah, I think Rome only wants five. But then he'd be like, you've got to give me. And Steve would be like, no. Then they'd call in the next group, Roman soldiers, and they'd be like, hey, Steve needs to give me ten coins to pay to Rome. And the soldier would be like, oh, ten coins. Well, if I've got to go do it, make it 15. So he'd go to Steve and the soldier would be like, you got to give me 15 coins or I'm going to kill you. That was their threats. And so Steve would be like, oh no, now I'm screwed. I got to give him my 15 coins. And so he'd give them and then the, ta- the soldier would keep five. He'd give 10 to the tax collector. The tax collector would keep five and he'd send five off to Rome like he was supposed to. And so they would get rich easily by deceiving people. And, and John told them, don't do that. If you're supposed to collect five coins from Steve, just take your five coins from Steve. Don't take any extra. And then he tells the soldiers, he says, don't take extra off the top of that. You know, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not bearing the fruits consistent with your repentance. You're supposed to change. You're supposed to be evidence in your life that you're different. And so then the soldiers are like, oh, okay, so we won't do that anymore. And he also says one more thing. Be content with your wages. Now, that's kind of hard to do. You know, we always want a little more money in our paycheck at the end of the week. But he says, be content. It's okay that you make just this much. And Rome supplied their soldiers pretty well. And then... What happens next is um, we continue going on. And, that's, and the soldiers were hated because they were Romans and they were controlling and Jews didn't like that. But the next thing is, is they all wondered, could, could John be the Christ? You know, is he the one who was spoken about in the prophets? And John's like, no, 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 I'm not. There's one who's coming after me. There's a more mighty one than I. I can't even untie the straps of his sandals. Now, today that doesn't make a good difference you can't you know it's not that big a deal to stoop down and tie somebody's shoes but back then it was a lot bigger deal because it was very dirty you know the, there was very dusty in the desert so their feet would get covered in dirt and they didn't have you know lots of pairs of shoes and good things to make their feet smell better they didn't have any of that so their feet would stink and they would be dirty and so to stoop down and untie them that'd be like a servant's job you wouldn't have normal people do that and so john was saying i'm not even worthy to do the servant's job for the one who's to come and we know from all our Gospels that Jesus was baptized by John. And John, he also tells us that we will be, you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so on the day of Pentecost, when, when Jesus gave the Holy, or when the Holy Spirit got poured out, they literally saw tongues of fire above people's heads on that day. Now, a lot of times if you saw fire flying above my head, you'd all be freaking out. So would I. But... We don't often see that anymore, but there still needs to be evidence that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You still need to be bearing the fruit that John is telling us, the fruits, multiple. So you can easily tell that, you know, you're a cherry tree. You know, you can see all my cherries that are on me. You know, you can easily tell that. And so 
they would, they would do that, but it wasn't available yet to the people. It didn't come to Pentecost. So we're in even a better position than they were because we have the Holy Spirit available now immediately. We just have to ask Jesus. See, John preached baptism of repentance. You can get that from people. You can get repentance learning from people, but you can't get the Holy Spirit from somebody. I can't give you the Holy Spirit. That can only come from God. Now, I can ask you to come and repent. I can't make you, but I can ask you to. And you can, you can hear a message and say, oh, I need to repent of certain sins. But I can't give you the Holy Spirit. That's only something that's reserved for Jesus. He's the one who pours out his Spirit. He pours it out liberally and freely to anyone who asks. And, but the last thing John closes with is kind of almost a gloom and doom message. Is that he's going to gather up his wheat into his barn. He's going to burn the chaff with an unquenchable fire. And so back then, you know, wheat was kind of a staple for them. And so when they'd harvest it, you know, they'd go out and they'd harvest their grain, they'd bundle it up, they'd bring it to their threshing floor. Then what they'd do is they'd kind of cut it up, and they'd throw it up in the air like this guy's doing. And the heavy, the good part, the good wheat head of the grain would fall down. But the chaff, the light part, the bottom of the stalk would blow off in the wind. And that's how they separated it, and it was the best way they had at the time. And what happened? What happens is they would go out and they would gather it up, and the, the stalk, the chaff is useless to them. There's no good. So they would burn it. And they would just get rid of it. And that's what John's equating the judgment of God to. If you are bearing your fruits consistent with your repentance, if you are showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, God's going to be able to tell that. He can see that. And other people around you should see that. But if you're not bearing that when it comes to repentance, then it's, you're, not going to be able to, you're going to be the chaff. You're not going to be the head of grain producing good fruit. You're going to be the chaff. But the way Eugene Peterson says it in the message, he talks about the people in that time. They were claiming Abraham as their father. And so, you know, that's how Jews did it. They thought they were superior. They even thought there was two sets of judgments. They thought there was one for the Jews. They thought there was one for everybody else. So they thought they were going to get to escape the judgment of God just because they were Jewish. But I'm here to tell you today, they're not going to. And neither are we. You can't just show up to church every Sunday for 50 years say, you know what, God, I was good. You know, you look what I did. I was at church for 50 years. You know, I paid my tithe every week. That's gonna, you could still get to heaven and God could say, I didn't know you. I don't know you because you didn't bear fruits consistent with repentance. I couldn't tell from your life that you were changed because of me. I couldn't tell that. Or, you know, you can't say, well, you know what, I taught Sunday school. I did, you know, I was, I was always there. I sat in the front row and only a few people will make it if that's the requirements. So... You know, you can't just say, you know, I sat in the front row, God. I attended forever. I get to heaven. God's going to say, I never knew you. Because you weren't bearing your fruits consistent with repentance. When you have a true repentance, when you literally are going this way, and you're doing this in your life, and God calls you to repentance, you turn and go the other way, you need to consistently show that. You need to consistently bear the fruit that is consistent with that repentance. So you need to be able to show your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I have to count them out or I'll forget. So you've got to continue to show, show that. excuse me, And that's what God wants. That's what you need to show because that's how you're going to win people. If we truly want to see our nation turn around, if we want to see our church grow, that's how you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to literally be showing the fruits of the Spirit. You're going to have to be living them out. You can't just come to church and say that's good enough because that's not. You won't escape the judgment of God just because you come to church. I hate to tell you that, but it's the truth. It comes from the Bible. If you don't believe me, you can look at your Bible. That's what it says. And it also is true that you can't just say, oh, look at my grandparents. You know, they've always come to this church. You know, they, they built this church. It's here because of them. You can't say that. 
Because you're not going to escape the judgment of God. It's your life that has to be shown. It's not your grandparents. It's not your, not your parents. Not your grandparents. Not even your great-grandparents. You can't say, well, like me, my great-grandpa was a pastor. Hey, guess what? I get in heaven free. That doesn't work like that. Because you have to show that in your life. It's each individual person has to bear their own fruits in keeping with repentance. It can't be the church can't just bear fruits. But if we really want to see the church grow and our nation change, that's how we're going to have to live. We're going to have to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to have to be consistent with our repentance that God has called us to. And that's also the interesting thing is, you know, unfortunately I'm stuck in the millennial generation. Um, I have yet to figure out if that's good or bad. Um, A lot of associations are bad. But millennials, we're smart. A lot of us can read. And we can read the Bible. And we can look at the lies of a lot of people that go to church and say, they don't match up. I can see this is how this is tells you you're supposed to live. But I can see you people aren't doing that. So I don't want it really a part of that because you're not living out what you say you believe. So we don't want that. So if we want to turn around a new generation, if we want to bring those people back into the church, we need to start living the way the Bible tells us. If we want to do that, that's how we have to do it. We have to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have to live that out in our daily lives. We can't just show up to church and expect that we're going to be able to get people to come to church. You can't just invite people because your actions are going to speak way louder than any of your words ever will. And the only way we're going to be able to continually do this is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, he was the one who who pours out the Holy Spirit upon us. And he's here to do that today. He wants to do that today if you haven't. But he also says that if you've never come to repentance in God, that Jesus also will forgive you. And that's the theme of Luke's gospel because he's associated with the calf. Jesus' sacrifice takes away all our sins. And that's the amazing grace we sing about. Is It wasn't just... It, grace is something that we didn't earn, we don't deserve. It's given freely. It's always there, we just have to take it. And that's how we get forgiveness. And then when we ask God, he pours out the Holy Spirit so we can actually turn a new generation, so we can turn the whole country back towards God. Now we... We can't do it on our own. But once we start living and people start seeing our actions, that's going to catch fire. And that's, that's the fire that God's going to bring down. If he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, that's the fire that's going to burn inside of you. It's an internal thing. You'll get a new passion for things. And so that's what our message is from John today. And so I'd like to sing that Amazing Grace song again if we could. Um, I want to know if there's anybody here today who has looked at their lives and said, you know what, or thought about it today and said, you know what, I'm not bearing my fruits consistent with the repentance that I've had. I'm not, I'm not actually living the way God has called us to live. I'm not displaying the, fruits of the, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not bearing fruits. My life, is not full, my life is not full. Or maybe you can say, well, you know what, I haven't repented of my sins. I wonder if anybody wants to take the amazing grace that God gives us and wants to start living consistently so we can start winning more people for Jesus. This is not for us. This is not for our church. We don't have a corner on God, but we, have, we are a part of the kingdom of God, and we want to live consistently with the word of God. So I want to know if there's anybody always sing this song. Just I don't know how much of it to sing. I don't know anything about music. We'll just sing some of it, and we'll, at, a, at a point, maybe we can, we'll, I'll feel the stop. And I just want to know, is there anybody who would like to take advantage of the power of the Holy Spirit this morning? Is there anybody who would like to take advantage of the repentance of God this morning? I just want to, want to take this time, and I'd like you to pray. If you don't want to come forward to pray, just pray in your seat. But I've always felt that there's something special about 
coming forward and kneeling at an altar. It's a public showing so people can start to see that you're the one who wants to bear fruit and consistent with repentance. And they can encourage you and they can help you and you can grow together. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to start building up the kingdom of God. That's the only way we're going to start to turn a new generation that's walking away from the church. So let's just sing for a few minutes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the words of John the Baptist that are have been preserved for us, that were written down by Luke and recorded, and we thank you that they are still relevant for us today, Lord. We thank you that, that we need to be reminded sometimes that we need to remember to bear fruits consistent with our repentance, Lord. Help our church to start doing that. Help people to start seeing the actions of our lives and, and then start asking questions and be like, oh, what's different about them? What, how did they, you know, what's, what's so special about them? Lord, help us to be that church. Help us to be those people who live the way you've called us to live, Lord. Help us to bear the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. Help us to show those around us because we know that is the only way we can reach people because no matter how much, how many times we've attended church or how, many, how much we've given in the offering, that doesn't matter if we're not bearing our fruits. Help us to continually be reminded of that. Just pour out your Spirit afresh on us so we can remember to bear the fruit that you've called us to bear, Lord. And just be with us this week. We know there are lots of families who are also... Who are are struggling, Lord, and, and just be with be with them and give them healing and restoration, Lord. We just ask that you give us guidance and wisdom to continually follow after you and to grow closer to you. We want to pray this all in your name. Amen. So now, let's, let's stand for the final blessing today. So, may you be continually reminded by the words of John the Baptist that you need to bear fruit bear fruits, excuse me, consistent with your repentance. So people will easily be recognizable. Remember that you are the examples of God. May you go in peace this week. Amen.